Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? God is amazing. Amen. Let's give it up for our band one more time. Man, man, we've come a long way in just one short year. Can somebody say amen? You know, I'm so excited about God and what he's doing here at this church. I want to talk a little bit today about how we come to become Mosaic. I know you've heard it a lot of times, but I go to a place called prison. And, and, and when we were trying to figure out where we we're going to name the church, I just know that the name of the church ought to have purpose. And so out of Zechariah chapter number 2, God said that we would be a church without limits. And so the name of our church behind the walls is Life Without Limits. Now, I may not never get out of prison, but I'm going to live life without limits. Amen? I'm going to live under the blessings of God. And so years ago, my grandmother would pull on my cheek and tell me that I was going to be Granny's little preacher boy. And I didn't want none of that going on, so I want to do something really quick. Come here for a second, Isaiah. I want to show y'all the next generation preacher real quick. This is that next generation preacher. Uh, You don't have to preach or say anything. I just want to showcase you right here. He told me a few years back that he wanted to be the next prison preacher. And then, well, we got to keep praying for him because he changed it. He said he wants to be a police officer. But either way, if you're evil out there, you're going to see one of the two of us. Amen? All right. Aaron, they help you down. That's our next generation preacher right there, my little five-year-old. My grandmother used to just pray that over me, and I'm believing God for him to be our preacher boy. Amen? Well, today I want to say thank God to uh, Pastor Mark for being covenant brother with me. How many of us know that covenant is important? Years ago, I think in 2010, I caught on fire in the backyard. And I wasn't talking about on fire for God. My arm was on fire. My clothes caught on fire. And you know how they say drop and roll? I drove all the way to 7-Eleven, but I was still burning. So I finally got up and got out of those burning clothes, and they came down to pick me up in in the ambulance. And when I got to the hospital, Pastor Mark was the first one there. I didn't know if he outran the ambulance or what. But he was the first one there to see about me, and I'll never will forget that day. And the first thing they asked, because I had walked away from everything. I'd walked away from my 401K and stocks in the company. I was at the pinnacle of my profession, and God called me to a place called prison, And so I'd given up everything, insurance, you name it, chasing after God. Come on, somebody. And the first thing the doctor said when they walked in is, do you have insurance? And Pastor Mark ripped out a card, and he said, yep, he's got insurance. Come on now. To me, that's covenant, amen? He was there for me, and I have to be here for him and love him. And the the Mosaic Church came out of pain. Can somebody say amen? And so if you don't know what Mosaic means, If you have ever seen a piece of artwork where the picture is comprised of little clay tiles, then you have seen a mosaic. But something made up of different things that together form a pattern. I mean, if you know that we're all coming in on broken pieces. 
And so I say to use that, that are watching around the world in Delaware and Atlanta and Arizona, wherever my family is, we welcome you into our church today. We're all coming in on broken pieces. Can somebody say amen right there one more time? I want to look at Luke chapter 14 to set up the foundation for the sermon today and give you a title at the end. How many of you know we need titles? If you get a title, you can kind of remember what's going on. And so I want to set it up by looking at Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 15. And I want us to understand that there is still plenty of room at the cross today. Amen. And I'm talking about I really want to talk to the body of Christ today because I believe that we are hurting just as much as the world. Got quiet right there, but if you got a headache and you hung up on something, you're hurting too. And the one thing I want y'all to do is come out, just go like this with me today. Grab, grab your little mask and take it off. Thank you so much. Amen. Because this is a healing place. This is a place where we drop all of that. How many of you know that God can't fix what you're faking? Ooh, that's a revelation. <laughs> In Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. Somebody say amen. amen. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. When Jesus bowed his head on the cross and said, it is finished, that means everything that you need is now ready. Dad, you don't have to worry about it. It's already been done. Verse 18 says, but they alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. I must know you don't buy a field before you look at it. He said, please excuse me, I got to go check it out. Verse 19, another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. You don't buy oxen before you check them out, amen? I sell a lot of tractors, and nobody buy them until they check them out. He said, please excuse me. Somebody say excuses. And still another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, I can give him a little grace. But what man wouldn't want to go to a social event and show off his woman? Come on, somebody. So it ought to have been saying, yes, I'll come. But the servant came back and reported this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servants. He said, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room at the table. I came to tell you today that no matter what you're going through and what someone has told you, you can come to the table today. You say, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You can come to the table. Stop making excuses. Just come to the table. He said, come unto me, all you that are laboring and you're weary and laden, and I'll give you rest. In other words, he's saying you have been called out of chaos. And some of us are living some chaotic lives, sitting there with your big King James Bible and your fake smile on this morning. I can't get no help. <laughs> and then the master told his servants, he said, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in 
so that my house will be full. How many of you know that this is not Mark's house? This is God's house. And there's a verse that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the what? They say, let us go into the house of, of Pastor Mark. Come on now, y'all stay with me. This is God's house. It might have been birthed out of pain and got the name out of pain, the mosaic, putting things back together. But at the end of the day, this house belongs to God. And he said, come in so it can be full. Amen. And for all of you that are on Facebook, you need to come and take a look. And if you take a look, you might get hooked. Amen. We don't need to just, how many know we got a million Facebook preachers? I'll leave that alone. <laughs> then the master told his servant, he said, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel. In other words, go out into Oklahoma City and make them come in. When is the last time you invited anybody to church? When is the last time you had any godly influence on someone that would compel them to come and see what you're doing? I'll run back over here. It ain't safe out there. <laughs> he said, make them come in. My neighbors, when I talk to them, I make them come in. My neighbors call me pastor in my neighborhood. They say, compel them to come in so that my house would be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. My assignment this morning is that there's still room at the table. And so many of us today can quote this, John 3, 16. Let's, let's quote it. For God... Now, what I want you to do is repeat the verse after that. See, most of us got quiet right there. And so could it be that we have all stopped one verse short of a golden nugget? Because the next verse says, For God did not send his Son into this world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. And I was talking to Pastor Mark in a meeting the other day, and I said, Pastor Mark, there's a young lady that wants to come and be a part of our praise and worship team. And I began to tell him her story, and I said, what should I do? And he put his pen back and down and leaned back in his seat. And he said, whatever you do, don't destroy her. Whatever you do, don't crush her spirit. Whatever you do, don't bring judgment against her. Whatever you do, let God continue to do what he's doing in her life. And on Friday, after taking Pastor Mark's advice, I don't always take it, but most a lot of times I do. <laughs> and this past Friday, as we baptized 30 women behind prison walls, as I looked up, here comes this very woman that we were talking about down into that baptismal pool. And I remember what Pastor Mark had said, whatever you do, don't crush her and don't judge her. Let God finish her life. Let God do what he's got to do. And Jordan came down in that pool, and the Spirit of the living God rests upon her, and we begin to baptize her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is a type of a... If, if, you'll, if you'll leave it alone, it'll come to fruition. If you'll leave it alone and stop condemning it, it'll go to where God wants it to go. 
And the one thing I've asked God to do is I say, God, whatever you do this year in 2017, I don't, I'll take a million dollars, but I don't need it. I'll take a new land cruiser, but I don't need it. But here's what I would like to have is an anointing on my life that will crush this ungodly generation. That's what I'm praying for, that you realize that there is a God that's calling you. And there's a God that's saying, no matter what you're going through, I didn't come to kill you, I came to save you. And so I believe revival could break out after this verse. I believe that restoration would flood the kingdom of God if we would just stop condemning. Can somebody say amen? amen. And as we go into John, that you don't have to go there, but there was a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They just drug her in. How many of us know she need mercy now? They drags her in, and she's probably scantily dressed, and where's the man? How come they didn't bring him? Who is the adulterer, the man or the woman, or both? But they bring the woman in, and they throw her down in front of Jesus. And you know how we are when we think we know something. The scribes and the Pharisees brought the woman who had been caught. Anybody ever been caught? Two of you and the rest of y'all lying. She had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst of Jesus. And you know how we are when we get our religious teacher. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. All spiritual. You know how you are with your big King James Bible. <laughs> now, in the law, Moses can, commands us to stone such a woman. She should never take a place at your table. Although the, the banquet table is there and that's what you came for, but she shouldn't be there. She's an adulterer. Jesus gets down on his knees, they say, and he writes something in the sand. Jesus, I don't know what he wrote, I'm making it up. Jesus just looks up and he looks at him and goes, you were at that Motel 6. <laughs> you had a little more money, so you took it to the Hampton. And we ain't going to even talk about the other one. But the Bible said, at the end of that little deal, he said, let you who is without sin among you, you hit her in her head. You stone her. You knock her off her course. You go ahead and kill her destiny because I'm not through with her. Don't get quiet when I'm preaching good. You go ahead and hit her in her head and you kill her. If you are without sin, you take her life and destroy her destiny. You do it. I won't. And the Bible says they all begin to drop their rocks. They're old. Ain't nothing. I hate to say this, but ain't nothing like an old fool. <laughs> they said they dropped their rocks, all of them, and they left. You see, Jesus didn't come to kill this woman. He wants to bring her to the banquet. He wants her at the table. He wants to give her a new life. Because he is a God of new beginnings. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, let whom he who is without sin cast apart. But now they're gone. And Jesus tells this woman, he said, listen, lady, I didn't come to kill you and hit you with a rock. I came to save you. And now what I want you to do is go and sin no more. What does that mean, preacher? He was telling her to change her lifestyle. That's all he wants from us is to change our lifestyle. And so Jesus goes on a little bit further. And there was a blind beggar sitting at the roadside in, in Luke chapter 18. And as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside 
begging. That was his gig. He begged every day. And when he heard the crowd going by, he must have knew something was going on. He said, hey, from the rumble or whatever it was, they said, what's going on? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is coming this way. And I could hear that man going, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the church folks said, you shut your mouth. Be quiet. This is not for you. You don't deserve healing. It's in your Bible. They told him to shut up. You ever been told to shut up? Sit down. You're too creative. You're too anointed. You're too loud. They said, you shut your mouth. Jesus said, bring that man here. And they went over to him and they said, the master is calling you. On your feet, Jesus is calling you. For those of you that are sitting there like you ain't got a brain, a spiritual brain, on your feet today, the master is calling you. It's time for you to get up and come to Jesus. And the Bible said that he was healed, and so there he was sitting at the great banquet. And so we go a little further. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a, lit, a religious man searching for truth about life. And he comes in, and he don't know the way to the table. He wants to come to the table. What's all the craze about this Jesus? I'm a member of the Sanhedrin. I ought to know everything. But he said, excuse me, Pastor Mark. Excuse me, Pastor Jesse. I think I need to get to Jesus for myself. Some of y'all need to find your way to Jesus for yourself. I love Pastor Mark, and I love me some me. And I love George Meyer, and I love Joel Osteen, and, those are, and, and John Hagee. But at some point, you got to say, excuse me, y'all. I got to get to Jesus myself and find out what I'm missing. He goes to Jesus at night, and he says, what is this stuff about being born again? How can an old man enter back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus was like, settle down, Nick. <laughs> you call yourself a teacher, and you don't know these things? That that is born of the flesh is of the flesh. But that that is born of the water and of the spirit is of the spirit. You must be born again, Nick. And he was invited to that table that day because Nicodemus left there. He traded in his religion for a relationship. And that is what many of us need to do. How many of us know we don't need religion at the banquet? Amen. I had some aunties. They were so religious, I didn't even want to stay at the fish fry. You're not holding your spoon right. You don't know, lady, what I really want to do with this spoon. <laughs> and then, then there was a woman in Luke that had some issues. Give your neighbor a high five and say, you got some issues. <laughs> she had some issues. The Bible said in Luke 8 and 43, a woman was there who had a sickness that made her bleed, and her sickness has lasted for 12 years, and no one could heal her. And she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his clothes, and right away the bleeding stopped. Can somebody say amen? amen? You see, nobody wanted to be in the presence of that woman. She was deemed unclean and told to stay away. You cannot be a part of the great banquet. You can't sit at Jesus' table bleeding all the time. And she made up her mind that today is today. I'm not going to give you another nickel. I'm not going to give you another dime of my money. I might die, but I'm going to die trying, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go if I can just touch but the hem of his garment. And the Bible says she was made every which way whole. 
and she got an invitation to the table. And so we move on a little further. There was a lot of people that needed Jesus in this Bible, and there's a lot of us under the sound of my voice that need Jesus. Amen? Amen. And then Jesus healed a disabled woman on the Sabbath in Luke. This woman on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman there had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was hunched over and could not stand up straight. She was carrying the weight of the world. I'm tired of my children. I'm tired of my husband. I just don't know how to tell him. I'm tired of my wife. I'm, I'm tired of carrying this. I, I'm carrying all the burdens. I'm carrying my financial burdens. I'm carrying my sickness and my pain. And I'm carrying my cancer in my body. And, and number one, it ain't even none of your cancer. It belongs to the devil. That's where it came from. I'm not going to claim it. You might be carrying it because you're claiming it. I, I say today that somebody ought to stop being hunched over and get up and say, Today by your stripes I am healed. It's a new day. I'm not carrying it no longer. And Jesus said, Woman, come over here to me. And he said, Your infirmities are healed. Walked out of a, a, a big store the other day a bearing store, and a man followed me out. He knows that I'm a pastor, and he followed me out of the store. He said, hey, preacher, I've got some problems. Why won't Jesus heal me? He healed all them people in the Bible. I said, put your hands in the air since you're so bold. <laughs> people must have thought we was crazy having revival out on the sidewalk downtown. <laughs> huh? Having revival. I said, you believe he can heal you? And I laid hands on, on his old head, just shining off the sun, was shining on his head. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He believed it, and I believe he's going to receive it. Amen? Amen? And so Jesus straightened this woman up. And then there was a man who wanted to get to the table, but he was demon-possessed in Mark chapter 5. And there he was living in the cemetery. I mean, if you know that if you're living in the cemetery, you got some issues. His problems drove him to the, to the cemetery. What's driving you to the place you are right now? What drove you to where you are today? I'm trying to help you. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. How'd you get there? <laughs> Something has driven you to this place, and you ain't going to fight? You got to fight. And so in verse 2, it says, as soon as Jesus got off the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came from the tombs. He came out of the cemetery and he met him. And he had been living in the tombs and could not no longer be restrained, even with chains. And though he was often bound in chains and shackles, he had broken the chains and the shackles, and he shattered them. Now, no one had the strength to subdue him. Oh, but there was a man by the name of Jesus who knew he was in that tomb. The Bible said Jesus came across those waters because he knew that man was over there. And he walked off of that boat. And the Bible said that man saw him from a distance. Come on now. And he ran and he bowed down in front of Jesus. He said, that son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And here are these demons giving way. And Jesus did what we need to do. Take, take authority over the enemy. Say, leave him alone and come out of there. And the demons are saying, well, let's make a deal. Don't just send us anywhere. Where, would, where can we go? And Jesus was like, you're going somewhere, but you're coming out of him. 
and it ran into a herd of pigs. And the pigs ran down in the water and drowned. I mean, if you know that the man has been set free and the pigs have taken on that thing now. The Bible said those people came out to that region and they said, Jesus, you need to leave this region with all this healing. You need to leave this region. You stirred up some things. You see all those pigs in that ditch? That's a lot of pork chops and bacon. You try eating eggs with no bacon, Jesus. This is a mess. Ran him out of the region. But the Bible said that man was sitting there and clothed and in his right mind. And he was all excited. He said, oh, Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus said, settle down. He said, go back and tell somebody what I've just done to you. That's what we need to do is go tell somebody what he's done. He was controlled by demons. So I ask you today, what's controlling you this morning? Sitting there with your smile on your face, what's controlling you? What's your controlling substance? What could it be? Is it alcohol? Is it what is it? Talk to me, church. You, hey, something could be controlling you. I'm trying to help you. Today, if you want to come to the table, you got to do what he did. You got to run and you got to stand in front of Jesus. Let's get real this morning. Lazarus came out of the grave. Jesus called him out. He said, Lazarus, come out of there. And Lazarus came out, standing there like a mummy, all wrapped up. He was all wrapped up. And Jesus said, no, I don't call anything out halfway done. Loose him and let him go. Amen. See, some of us, you, you still got the grave clothes on. You've come to church, but you got the residue of the grave. You got, he said, loose her and let her go. If you have a controlled substance, that means you got grave clothes on. All right. All right. I'll leave you alone. Y'all will help me in a minute. Let me close with this. Let me draw you a picture of a covenant. King David and Jonathan had made a covenant. How many of you know John 3.16 is a covenant? It's a covenant unto you. It's a covenant to the sinner. If you'll just believe, you won't perish. King David and Jonathan made a covenant, and they said, to each other, if, if something happens to my family, you please take care of it and take care of my family and I'll do the same. How many of us know that a covenant is a binding agreement? And they made an agreement and now it's time to ante up because Jonathan and Saul are out on the, ba on the battlefield at Gabor and both of them fall on the sword that day and they die. But there's a family member out there that needs some support and his name is Mephibosheth. And in battle, when they heard the news, the caretaker grabbed Mephibosheth, and in her exit, in her fleeing, she, they, they dropped that baby. Anybody ever been dropped? Anybody ever dropped you before? We've been dropped before. And it leaves you kind of lame and, and, and disposition. And, and they haul him off to a place called Lodabar. Oh, but that's something about covenant. David is sitting at the table, just like Jesus is in heaven right now. And he's saying, there's got to be somebody else in Oklahoma I can bless. There's got to be another marriage I can bless. There's got to be another person that needs some money I can bless. And he's walking around in heaven saying, this cannot be it. My table is not full yet. And David said, is there not another person in the lineage of Saul that I can bless? And someone said, it is me, Lord, but he's down at Lodabar, his name is Mephibosheth, and David said, fetch him, bring him here. I came to tell you today that the king is calling you. 
I came to tell you today that the king said, come here, no matter what you're going through. Now, imagine Mephibosheth is the son of a, the son of a prince and the, and the grandson of a king. That means that that is royalty. I might be down at Lodabar in the worst place where there is no greenery, there is no anointing, I've been cast out to a place where it's dry, but I don't know about you, devil, but I'm still of royalty. You are in some bad places today, but you are royalty in the wrong place. I'm trying to help somebody. You are royalty in the wrong place. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It's time for you to come home. And Mephibosheth come dragging in because his feet are crippled. He been, some of us are dragging in, but if I can just get to the king. I might have some issues, but if I can get to the king, I'll be all right. And he comes dragging in, and he bows down and lays down in front of the king, and, and he says, how can you find anything good in a dead dog like me? Many in the world today, that's all they think about themselves. I'm no good. I'm just a dead dog. I don't matter. Somebody has driven me to a cemetery. Someone has hauled me off the loader bar. I'm coming out of the cemetery today. I'm coming out of loader bar today. We're not staying in the cemetery today. We're going to run to Jesus. And there he was, loader bar. But uh, Mephibosheth is lying down in front of the king, and he said, Get up from there. I didn't come to kill you. He said, I came to bless you. He said, you, you are of royalty. You don't know that, but your grandfather got a whole lot of property, and I didn't come to take it. I can if I want to, but it ain't none of mine. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I don't want your stuff. I want my own. Huh? Don't take the man's stuff. No, no, no. And he said, he can't work the ground. And he said, I want you, you, and you to work his crops because he's crippled. And you better not take one of his grapes, one of a piece of corn. You better give it all to him because it's his. And so I'm telling you today that the king is calling you today. Now, here's, here's what happened to him. You got to understand this. And some of us been in this place. The king was searching for someone to bless. He sends him to the Lord's place on planet earth. Send him to Lodabar. There wasn't no greenery there. There wasn't no anointing down there. Pastor Mark's been there before. He's been to Lodabar. He's been to Lodabar. It's a city in the midst of a wilderness. Lodabar is a place of no pasture, no anointing. Seems like you have no friends, no, no desire, no purpose, and no direction. Nothing green is or is a desolate in Lodabar. Mephibosheth lost his rank, he lost his prestige, he lost his respectability, lost his reputation, lost his superiority, lost his self-will, and almost lost his mind. Am I right about it, Pastor Mark? Mephibosheth went from living in the palace to hiding out. Mephibosheth went from the prince to a servant. Mephibosheth went from powerful to fearful. Oh, but there's just something about a covenant. There's something about a covenant. And that's one thing that God has said to you and said to, to myself, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are the head and not the tail. Yes. 
you will be blessed coming and going. If God be for you, who in the world can be against you? You have been made more than a conqueror. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are conquerors. And we need to drop this mentality of nobody loves me, preacher. When I point at you, I want you to say, get over it. You ever been rejected? You ever been betrayed? You ever been done wrong? Boy, I could work that all day in the prison. In the prison, you just got to work it all day. And I work with some people that's been kicked out of society. Oh, but God is raising them up. Raising them up and bringing them to the table. Amen. I want to close with this. If you are under the sound of my voice and you, you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I would just like you to stretch your hand up. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart today, I want to see your hand. Let your hands go up. And we have everybody in the house is saved. Don't do this to us next Sunday. Bring a sinner. Bring a sinner. I want to sweat and scream and spit on some sinners. <laughs> Amen. As Pastor Rick is coming, stand to your feet with me today. I want to pray over these people today, Pastor Mark. As I pray over them today with your hands stretched up. There are some of you that have been really put in some bad places and told to sit down, shut up. You're no good. You've lost this and lost that and you can't find your way back to the table. But today the table is wide open and you have been invited to the banquet. It doesn't matter if you're crippled. It doesn't matter if you're bent over today. It doesn't matter if something is flooding you. The blood is a symbol of the flow of life that's shattering your dreams. If you're sitting there and you're blind and you cannot see, we're talking to you today. We're telling you to come back to the table today. Do not, do not miss this chance for God to bless you. You are all that in a cup of soup today. You are everything that God has called you to be today. You are not sick, you're healed. You are not broke, you're prosperous. You're not angry, you're happy. You're not discouraged, you are encouraged. You're not going to lose a job. If you do, you're going to gain a better job. My husband ain't acting right. Either God will change him or change you. Can I get an amen? I don't have no money in my pocket, but listen, God, heaven ain't broke. My father owned a cattle on a thousand hills, and he said, no good thing will I withhold from you. We got to get with it, church. We got to get our heads in the air and square our shoulders and look in the mirror and see a future and not a failure. And you women look in the mirror more than we do. When you leave that mirror, you ought to get a devil one of these. You ought to just give him one of those and say, you know what? You're about to catch hell, buddy. I'm headed to my car. I saw a thing, a thing uh, the other day, Sister Marshall was sharing it with me. They said a thing in there, and y'all got to hear this in the spirit. They said one morning, the, the, the devil, when, when this woman woke up, the devil said, oh, hell, she's up. Got to hear that in the spirit. Now stretch your hands up. Father, we thank you. As I get ready to leave this crowd and leave those that are watching by way of the air, 
you are made more than conquerors. If you got sickness in your body, put your hand where the sickness is, where the, where the, where the doctor said it is. Put your hand there if you can. I call it healed. I call you healed in the name of Jesus. I know my wife is looking, and I know that she has had some, some problems in her with, her, with, her, with her health, but honey, I call you healed in the name of Jesus. I've been waiting for God to totally just bring healing to my wife. Healing. But you got to say it. You got to get up and say it. I remember when I was a little boy and my folks would tell me, don't say you're sick. I say, I'm puking. Can't you see? And my mother would say, son, there are two realities going on. Yes, you're sick. But by his stripes, you're healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And Father, I pray over this congregation that we will rise up and take this, this, this city. The sick can't help the sick. You got to get healed yourself. And so God, we leave this congregation with an encouraging word that if God is for you, nobody can be against you.